All right, we are back. I want to note an article from Scientific American, January 2012 issue. Titled, The Compass Within. Subtitled, Animal's Magnetic Sense is Real. And scientists are zeroing in on how it works. This does raise the question in our minds, does magnetic sense constitute a sixth sense, a real sixth sense, in addition to vision, smell, taste, hearing, and touch? Where would you fit in your ability to orient to a magnetic field in that particular group of five? article starts out by noting that uh, Sabina Begal was a little bit amazed looking at her computer, looking at photographs of grazing cattle taken from uh, Google Earth, noticing that uh, overall the animals were aligning their bodies with a slight preference toward the north-south axis. This attracted attention. They did a follow-up study and noted that the... Uh, that the cows would not align north-south when they were in the vicinity of high-voltage power lines. Something real going on here. The article notes that a magnetic sense has, in fact, been well-documented in dozens of species, from seasonal migrations such as robins and monarch butterflies to expert navigators like homing pigeons and sea turtles. It's found in invertebrates such as lobsters, honeybees, and ants, and mammals like mole rats and elephant seals from tiny bacteria to humongous whales. The article goes on to explore how this magnetic sense may work. It's actually pretty complicated, but boy, what interesting science. I always love on this program the way the world of science um, tends to contrast with the world of, say, law, although I did uncover a rather hilarious article about scientists misbehaving, which I think we'll quote from in a future show. They like to pretend they're dispassionate and they're oh-so-logical and they're so evidence-driven, etc., but a lot of times it's like kids in the playground. And I mean like the kindergarten playground. Anyway, the world of science certainly does contrast with the world of law, doesn't it? Just to take a two-minute digression into that snake pit, I was somewhat astonished to read in the Sacramento Bee article by Andy Ferrio about the notorious Davis Sweethearts case terrible murder that took place in Davis back in 1980 when two uh, 18-year-old students were, were kidnapped and murdered. article notes that uh, the Sacramento courts are really going out on, on, on a ledge here, having to decide whether someone's suicide note that places himself at the scene of the murder with his brother, whom he accuses of being the murderer, will be admitted as evidence in court. I guess that ruling is going to come down today. What amazes me is they say it's really going out on a limb to introduce the suicide note that places him at the scene. Whereas everyone seems to agree that they'll never get admitted as evidence the fact that Joseph Hirschfeld says his brother murdered the couple. And no, we don't understand this crap, do you? On a much happier note, we would cite the article by Jan Hoffman, New York Times, which we are getting, as we so often do from the Bee, noted that uh, kids are now going to the internet I would say, in desperation, for sex education. Among others, there's a website titled In Case You're Curious, which answers questions kids may have about things like sexually transmitted diseases, which apparently seems necessary because the Christian right has biology teachers talking about fruit flies when kids need to know things about pregnancy, etc. article notes that some uh, school districts are trying to develop websites and texting services as a way to reach out to teens, my guess is if you involve school boards and parents in, in this, it's going to get all messed up. We hope that good, straightforward web information will be able to help uh, people that, that need data. 
And on a happier note still, I'll say it was my pleasure to check out the um, Beatles tribute that it was at uh, the Community Theater in Sacramento last month. Got a wonderful write-up in the Sacramento News and Review, as well as the Sacramento Bee. Uh, I was certainly aware that uh, the tribute called Rain has been around for, I guess, decades now with a variety of people playing the roles of uh, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Marcus Crowder writing in the B said he was always wondering how you would classify Rain. Uh, is it a tribute band? Is it a recreation? Is it a narrative with music? <laughs> and will Yoko be there at the end to break them up? He concluded that uh, Rain was a tribute band and a very good one, noting that the show works flawlessly when the band straightforwardly plays the iconic music. I have to agree. I uh, got one of the last tickets available for one of the shows last week and um, thoroughly enjoyed myself, as did the Packed House. So it happens I was sitting next to a drummer who I think satisfactorily resolved the controversy I had with Mr. McMillan. <laughs> Mr. McMillan has contended that the Ringo drum solo from Abbey Road is lame. Would you say I've summarized you correctly on that? Oh, I'm a big fan of Ringo's drumming, but that drum solo, which was originally not intended to be a drum solo, is quite uh, mediocre. Well, I like it. The drummer next to me said he thought it was just enough of a drum solo to make it all work, and I think we'll just leave it at that. When they performed it, it, it came off well, as did pretty much everything that evening. I have a feeling that this show will be back in the area in future years, and, and I would say to you that, that I, I can give it a hearty recommendation. Even the drum solo. You know, it's sort of curious that this whole Rain phenomenon was, was, in essence, the original tribute band. There was nothing like it before. Of course, the, the piece in the ticket by Marcus Crowder noted that uh, the, the Paul McCartney dead ringer Joey Curatolo told me, I don't consider us a tribute band at all. It's a Broadway production. Mark Lewis, who was described as the founder, manager, and original keyboardist for the group, said that uh, the Beatles are a band you're never going to see again. There's a passionate love for this music, and when you do it right, people just become enthralled by it. Yours truly was informed by people some time back that uh, the final show on Insight raised some questions in, in a few minds. In truth, I, I don't get a lot of feedback about the Insight program because, uh, well, the truth is I don't know a lot of people that s still listen to it. And although there may be no profit in me admitting this, I, I can tell you that the last time I listened to one show start to finish was in 2008. Yeah, I, I think I did host one or two after that where I did listen to it all the way through because I was in the studio but uh, really and truly, as going through my files, I, I uncovered a lot of the original stuff dating back to the beginning of the Insight program, and I do think there were some deficiencies, shall we say, in the look back that was done on the program. I will seek to correct those deficiencies on next week's program. For now, I just will state for the record that I am appalled by something that was alleged to me, which was that the... Uh, the final programs did not mention any of the original contributors that set up Insight back in 2004. Carl Watanabe, original executive producer, not mentioned. Mark Jones, at the beginning and still to this day, the technical director, not mentioned. Benjamin Jonas Keeling, the original producer, and someone who certainly, I can tell you from direct experience, shaped the direction the program took at the onset. Not mentioned. And I also, I suppose, should mention that yours truly, who sat in on, 
I don't know, 50 or 60 shows, about three months worth in its seven and a half year run, also not mentioned. Was this a deliberate snub? Well, I can tell you that in my case, it certainly appears so. And to this correspondent, it appears to be the case also for Benjamin, Carl, and Mark, which this correspondent finds reprehensible. And then owing to time constraints, that's all I'll say today. Except to add that I do truly believe that David Watts Barton is a great radio host when it comes to dealing with guests involving anything to do with entertainment or music. We told him that when he came on this show as a guest, and I still think it's true. Although I have no way of knowing whether David uh, truly wants the permanent gig over at the station, I would say that if he does, I think it is criminal if he's denied it. Okay, what do we got for big upper close? Actually, I think I'll close with a smart-ass remark someone made. A, a longtime listener commented a couple of weeks ago in the wake of the Sacramento News and Review piece they did on why, why you should be on the cover. Give us your 10 reasons. One local wise guy, described as a 30-something laugh insider, wrote the News and Review, and uh, as his number one reason for why he should be on the cover, said, you owe me for continuing not to have best stand-up comedian as a category in your Best of Sacramento. The comment from the longtime listener was, you know what? He ought to be grateful that they don't have a worst stand-up comedian category in the Best of Sacramento. That, for him, might be considered a larger problem. For the record, Radio Parallax has no official stance on this issue. Except to note that tastes do vary. I know a lot of you love Robin Williams. And I've been puzzling over that phenomenon for, I don't know, 35 years now. I found myself out in Roseville in the almost perfect bookstore trying to snag a few uh, last-minute Christmas purchases. One of the things I, I got was the Jeff Foxworthy You Might Be a Redneck book, which caused the clerk to say, you know, I, I like him. He, he is very witty. To which I agreed and said, don't you wish Robin Williams would at least once in his life say something witty? She looked at me and kind of said, yeah. To which I added, I just don't see why people find ADD funny. But hey, that's just me. Would note for the record that uh, according to our own website, this is show number 498, which means our January 19th show will be show 500. We're going to try and do something special for that show, such as the Returning to that long-standing tradition of having an actual guest. Well, I do want to say with some gratitude that uh, you have spoken, dear listener, on many occasions to say that you like the programs we do where we just go off on stuff like today's program. And I hope the show we just did was another example of, uh, of that type of programming, which was incidentally produced by Edward McMillan. I do want to thank you, dear listener, for listening. Many of you have thanked us over the years for the effort that we put into this program which is, after all, a two-man operation. And to which I want to say, you're certainly welcome. And if we have, by chance, offended anyone by some of the things we've said over the years, I'd like to just say, tough. And if you're listening, Charlie Sheen, regarding your quote, every great movement begins with one man, and I guess that's me, we would just like to say that we're not sure that every great movement begins with one man, but if it does, it's definitely not you. It's going to be a fun year. Let's go out with some more Beatles.